1: Montana State Bobcats uh, were in need of an offensive uh, coordinator, need of a wide receivers coach. Is that right? Uh, running back. Center, running I mean, back I guess center. I
0: guess you should say it like this, just because we know how Jeff showed operates. The Montana State Bobcats were in need of two assistants. Okay. Well, but depending they got, on who
1: they're going to move where, they got one of them. Yeah, Jimmy Beal, former Montana State Bobcat, was a running back for the team on two the, conference championship teams. Was recently, in fact, last year, the running backs coach at, hello, South Dakota State. Pretty good program, pretty good running game with the Jackrabbits. He's coming back, returning to his alma mater to be the running backs coach for uh, Jeff Choate. So, Jimmy Beal, welcome back to Bozeman uh, as uh, the first time on the staff back there in, uh, in at Montana State. As first reported by. Skyline Sports? I got him. I got Congratulations. him. Congratulations. Uh, you
0: got to celebrate the small victories. Do. I, don't, I don't get to win at anything besides golf season against you. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, no, but Jimmy Beal's a great guy. He was at Northern Arizona for nine years. Hmm. He most uh, famously is not the best word. The, notably. He, he most notably coached Zach Bauman, who, who was one of the great running backs in right. Big Sky history. Zach Bauman's the only running back in Big Sky history. With four consecutive thousand yard seasons, I think he finished his career in the top five in in school in, in conference history. We Ocean were talking
1: Hurts. about guys who have great names that are perfect for what they do. Quentin Jammer, right. being a cornerback, right. Bauman is your last name, and you are a stud running back. That seems about right. Yeah, you know,
0: definitely. And he coached several really good running backs at know I mean, Joe Logan was really good. I know that Joe Logan just finished this last year after Jimmy Bill left. Um, but, I mean, they've had several really good running backs at, Jimmy, at, at Northern Arizona, and Jimmy Beale had a uh, good hand in mentoring them. I've interviewed Coach Beal before a couple times because, I mean, when, when Bauman was there at NAU, he was the story for NAU. Jerome Sowers did such a good job of bringing in headliner players. It was just the rest of the roster that they had a hard time filling out to really become a nationally elite. But you know, Emmanuel Butler, Case Cookis. And Zach Bauman, I mean, those guys are among the best players at their offensive skill positions yeah. that the league has seen in the last 10 years, and in Bauman's case, one of the best running backs in the history of the league. But Jimmy is a great guy, and I think this is a good, it's a good hire. I mean, I, I'll be interested to see if he picks up a coordinator role. You have to think that he probably will, considering that I don't know why he would leave South Dakota State otherwise. But it is, his, I mean, it is sort of his alma mater. He didn't actually graduate from Montana State because he played his last year at Rocky Mountain College. But that's where he first crossed paths with Jeff Choate because Choate has a bunch of Frontier Conference ties. Sure. Brian Armstrong, the former, is who's the offensive line coach at MSU, is the former head coach at Rocky Mountain College and was the OC before that. So they probably worked together there as well. So there's a lot of ties. And I mean, this, this hire checks almost every one of the boxes that Jeff Choate talks about when it comes to hiring coaches. He has Bobcat ties. He played for the Cats, so he has an authentic recruiting pitch and telling kids how great Bozeman is. He um, has familiarity with Choate. He fits in with the other assistants. They go way back, and he's got experience in the Big State Conference. So to me, it's a, I mean...
1: It's a good hire, really good hire. And, and just so we're clear, he absolutely did finish his career at Rocky Mountain, like you said. But he did graduate from MSU. He got an undergrad uh, in education with a minor in coaching in 2006 and then got a master's from MSU Billings uh, mm. after that. So uh, it, the the thing that I'm interested in is this, is, um, this has been a fairly consistent um, uh, 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 trend for Jeff Choate in so far as after he established his staff and he had a couple of veteran coaches on his, on the original staff, but when he has had hired hired replacements, they've been young, up and coming, hungry guys, and obviously trying to bring in as much of the family as he can. Yeah. When you talk about Bobcats, so this is is right in the middle of that you know same uh, 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 you know model that he has sort of done before. So uh, it, and we'll see, like you said, I mean Jimmy Beal great guy well known name uh and uh, and a guy who's obviously been in coaching since he finished playing i mean he's got a lot of experience all things considered uh even as still you know very young guy good i
0: mean it's a good yeah. hire i mean there's not really much analysis to do i mean i, I think that every time i've talked to jimmy bill i thought he was a very smart articulate coach uh, and well spoken and the i
1: mean it, it checks all the boxes it seems like a really good hire to tell new 1029 ESPN radio Coulter. we go over to hero sports or friends of hero sports and they do great work covering the fcs nationally and they're one of the only entities that can put out a list and an assessment like the one that we're about to talk about which is a it's basically a ranking of fcs recruiting classes by conferences so we take a look at the big sky conference and the uh, classes uh, or, or the rankings i should say that they put out and the ranking class that they have set here has UC Davis as the number one rated recruiting class in the Big Sky Conference, followed at second by Montana State, then Eastern Washington, Sac State, and NAU. Montana is eighth on their list in terms of recruiting classes. This is of the 26th of January. Now, re- National Signing Day, is it this Wednesday or a week from Wednesday? It's um, a week from yesterday. Okay, week from yes- Okay, week from yesterday, right. So six days from now, the the National Signing Day used to be the biggest off season day in college football. Now, certainly at the FCS level, it seems to me that the I mean ninety percent of the recruiting slash signing that is to be done has now been done in the early signing period. So when you're talking about assessing classes. Certainly, you know, adding a guy or two, and especially if it's a, a, big, a big name, you know. I mean, there's some guys out there that are big-time recruits that wanted to wait past the early signing period to see what what would happen and how things might move or shift. So you any team could certainly add a guy or two that would really, uh, I don't know, shift maybe dramatically the signing class in total. But right now... You're still talking about the bulk, the vast bulk of what these classes are, are in place. And so Hero Sports is operating with knowledge of these teams. And UC Davis, with the top recruiting class, also got, according to them, the top recruit, who is Michael Ambig's Sure, I got that right. He had a San Diego, he's a division. He had a Division one offers from Utah and Boston College to play tight end. Idaho. Yeah, the number two recruit, according again to Hero Sports, Caleb Jordan out of Camus, Washington, who uh, is a quarterback, also had an offer from Louisville to go play. Now, let's be clear when we say what what are the, the offers that they had? You know, we don't know what the nature of the if it's a preferred walk on deal, if it's a half scholarship deal or whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, there's there's a, kind of the list. The top recruits in terms of the state of Montana, Montana State gets Brody Greeby. Uh, from, you know, UMass, uh, uh, opportunities to go to UMass and Army. And he comes in. We talked to Brody Grebe, obviously from the state of Montana, had gone out and been uh, in Connecticut of all places doing preparatory school, high school prep school. And so he's a big-time recruit that, you know, they got because he actually ultimately is an in-state guy. And then, Colty, going to ha- help me out with Danny Ulu uh, Lakapea.
0: D- David and I are, are messaging about this. He got it off a video of Danny pronouncing the name himself. But I, I first of all, I think that um, names of Samoan, Tongan, Polynesian descent are fascinating. But also, there's been several of the, well, not several. There's been a lot of these guys at both the Montana schools. And I spent uh, some time with Danny asking him how pronounce to pronounce it. Pronounce all the vowels, right? Yeah. Not and, the key? And he said he said it's Uluya Kepa. Luia Akepa? U- Uluia Luia Okay, so you say the the U as well. Can I say Danny? But, but then this uh, this pronunciation is a little different too. Either way, I, I thought that I wrote this in a story actually. Uh, Jeff Choate had a great quote. He said, "Jeff Choate said I've been practicing how to say his name too, but I think this kid's so good that we're all going to know how to say his yeah. name by the <laughs> end of his career." So I mean, honestly, of of the recruits I've talked to and the and the guys I've studied their film a little bit. This kid's the best that I've seen. he He doesn't necessarily have the mass yet, but but he is a he is a
1: freak in terms of his tackling prowess. I mean, he's averaged fifteen tackles a game for two years in a row. He's a linebacker from South Hill, Washington that offers to Utah State and Air Force. Where is South Hill, Washington? I don't even uh, that don't, see I'm not familiar I, with this. we We
0: love the hero sports guys. They yeah. come on the show. They work hard. I hate almost everything about these. So this is what I wanted it, to talk it, about. It's very flawed. That's he's not from there. He's from Puyallup. He went okay. to Puyallup High School. Well, and that is there's just the a South lot of Hill, there, there, there's a lot of yeah. just like not quite accurate information. Well, I mean, I guess the best thing I could say about this list is I am zero percent surprised that UC Davis is on top, and that has nothing to do with looking at a single ounce of film. UC Davis only recruits in the state of California, in the West. Who has more guys that have stars by their names? Yeah. California. I mean, if you go to camps, you can get a star. That's why kids from Montana don't have stars, because most kids from Montana
1: don't go to camps. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web.
0: Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the
1: time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age.
0: so ensure your company's network is online all the time
1: for more information visit goblackfoot.com slash business that's goblackfoot.com slash business and you can click the link right here in the old podcast we've made it so very easy for you go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with blackfoot just to round it out max Lindsay also was the number seven recruit going to montana state the top recruit according to this, uh, for the University of Montana, is quite a ways down the list, Coulter. I mean, they, they don't have a Montana kid in the top 20, and by the way, all of the kids who are on here from Montana State are out-of-state types of recruits, which again, right, is is sort of the point that you're trying to get at. You're like, well, if you're talking about guys who have been seen by scouts.com or whatever, and right. look, there's not a good way to do this. I mean, Hero Sports has totally. to go out there and, and try their best to assess what is way outside the top 300 or whatever of high school recruits in the country, which is hard enough already as it is, and then try and put this together. My question to you is simply this, Montana State at two, Montana at eight. Do you believe, not in the disparity there, but that Montana State has clearly the better recruiting class than what Montana has?
0: Yes, but I don't think it matters at all. It's okay. like Bobby Hauk said on Sunday, if you try to evaluate conferences that aren't the Power Five based on star ratings, that's just stupid. Because it's <laughs> o- it's only about development. I shouldn't say it's only about development. Having a guy that has great baseline talent that then you can develop, you can get elite players, certainly. But, I mean, Jeff Choate has brought in, I think there's no question, more three-star recruits than any head coach maybe in the history of the Big Sky Conference. And that's, you know, that's saying... That, uh, based under a ranking year. system right. that's only really existed for 20 years or less. But I don't know what the number is as of right now, but I know coming into this last recruiting season, Chow had re- had signed 36 three-star or above recruits. He'd signed 10 four-star recruits. But what does that actually mean? more than 50% of Montana State's three-star recruits have not made it more than a year on campus. Last year, they signed three different three-star guys that didn't even show up. Mm -hmm. Sherrod White was a non-qualifier. Donnie Long decided to go to a community college. He's at Sacramento State now. Malik Putney decided to go to a junior college. He's probably going to Hawaii now. They didn't even make it to campus. So what's the the feather in the cap of signing a three-star guy if you don't get him? The other thing is, a lot of times, four-star guys are Tyler Brugman. I mean, Tyler Brugman was a below average Big Sky Conference quarterback who was benched halfway through his only year at Montana State for a true freshman named Chris Murray. You know, guys like Travis Johnson. Travis Johnson's a great player. He was an all-Big all, all Big Sky player. But, I mean, did he look like, you know, Lamar Jackson running around out there? No, he did not. He looked a superior Sometimes. athlete. I mean, he looked like <laughs> a superior athlete to guys that he was playing against, certainly, but it wasn't the level of domination that you might expect. And the other thing about Bobby Houck is Coach Houck has almost always recruited Bobby Huck is never going to recruit three- and four-star offensive and defensive linemen. Never. Because his whole recruiting theory is to get the big, long, lean guys who aren't maybe much of anything right now that can be so good. That's the whole thing. And, and the other thing that drives me crazy is just, is just the Montana kid thing. There's been some guys from Montana that have gone to out-of-state camps, like Matt Miller. Matt Miller was a three-star recruit and he's at Helena Capital because mm-hmm. he went to camps at Boise State. Well, he also ended up going to Boise State to play. Will Disley went to a camp at Colorado State. He got an offer from Colorado State. All of a sudden, he's a two-star guy. Jesse Sims went to a camp at Oregon State. All of a sudden, he gets an offer from Oregon State. He's a three-star guy. Troy Anderson went to no camps. Troy Anderson lives at Denver, Colorado. There's no question that Troy Anderson's a three- or maybe even four-star recruit with right. his track times and his size. So... What do the guys become? That's the whole crapshoot of recruiting. But also, there's just so many dudes who are just from rural areas that don't have exposure. And it really influences the rankings, especially when you have schools that are recruiting
1: from such rural areas. So, just tell me again so we're all clear. How much does this matter? None. That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. Thank you, Burn Street. I'm feeling a little bit of brunch this weekend, man. Mm-hmm. Might be up there on, sounds, the, on the west delicious. side, as they say.
0: The, uh, the, the UC Davis though, I mean, UC Davis almost exclusively recruits in the state of California. Their out-of-state tuition is so expensive that they shy away heavily from doing it. They also don't really take very many transfers. Hardly any at all really unless they're from in-state. They can and you know, in 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 the UC system, if you get a community college degree, you're almost automatically accepted into a lot of the UC schools especially if you use the right pipeline. Like I think San Francisco city college, if you get a two year degree there, there's a very high chance you're getting accepted into UC Davis. And so they recruit from those sorts of junior college circuits, but they have a great product to sell. Dan Hawkins is a great recruiter, but also there's so many dudes that if you just go to a Nike camp in California, you can get yourself a two-star recruit, but does that mean you're actually better than dudes who just aren't going to camps or that are from rural areas or whatever it might be? I just I've I've thought for a long time now. When when Jeff Choate and now Bobby Houck has done this as well, when they took the jobs and they said, "Hey, we're going to stop waving the white flag in Eastern Washington and Oregon. We're not just going to let Eastern get Eastern the school of Eastern Washington get all the players in the region of Eastern Washington." Mm-hmm. I thought that was the smartest move, because to me, you can find some of the best talent in the country in California, certainly, but the guys that are going to be SCS-level talent are not nearly as good as the guys that are going to be SCS-level talent in Washington, Oregon,
1: Idaho, and Montana. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying in, in some respects, and look, man, it matters about the guy. There's been some unbelievable kids from Southern California that have come to the Montana schools, have gone to Eastern Washington, and played in the cold and gutted it out and been great players at the Big Sky Conference level. And some guys who maybe could have and would have been successful at, you know, the, at, at the FPS level as well. But when you're not accustomed to it, it in terms of the weather and – Frankly, when you're surrounded, look, man. If you if you grew up in Montana, if you live in Montana, you're not surrounded by professional sports in the way that you immediately are if you are in the state of California. Anywhere, right? I mean, just because you're you know somewhere you know in in the middle of you know central southern California doesn't mean that you're still not in striking distance and hearing all the time about all of the NHL, NFL, baseball, hockey, whatever it is. So. the inundation that you have and surrounded by, and going to school with kids who are recruits that are going to SC and UCLA and Stanford and whatever it might be. I mean, this is this is quote normal, okay? I mean, that's what you kind of grow up in, and right. so the idea of then going to the FCS. I mean, they they haven't heard of you know Sacramento State probably nearly as much as they or, or the same amount as they've heard of Montana State. In the state of California, because there's, it just doesn't rise up. Which, by the way, brings me to one thing that I just wanted to point out here. This is one that is intriguing to me, and we won't know about this for a long time. But Patrick Dean is a recruit that Sacramento State got. Okay. What's What we always struggle with in the Big Sky Conference is, is, is cornerbacks especially. And he's listed as a defensive back. So DB, maybe he's a safety, maybe he's a corner. Sure. He got seven FBS offers, okay. and one... FCS offer okay. and went and played for Sacramento State. Where's he from? Ontario, California.
0: So he's from by Sacramento. Well, Ontario's more southern. Southern. Cali- yeah, right, right. But
1: but and, and on, what, are is saying, that,
0: what are his FBS offers? We don't know. See, and that's the other thing you gotta decipher because a lot of times FBS offers comes from academies, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're an FBS player. It means you're smart. I, and and or maybe you have military ties or you have leaned towards
1: maybe being interested in that. I just oh. think all, all I'm saying is this Troy Taylor and his this is his first full recruiting cycle now at Sacramento State and what yep. he w- did with that program and what they I mean they were, were they were oh they were honored at the Golden State Warriors basketball game at mm-hmm. halftime this week for their accomplishments there in you know Sacramento that's big time exposure to be able to get for your program in a spotlight like that and so i just think i don't know you know Hard to get certain positions sometimes in the Big Sky Conference and finding guys. I mean, he's in the state of California. Okay, it's fine. But I think it's, you know, worth noting. Just worth noting. That's all.
0: But look at the FBS offers that the Montana State guys got. They're all academies. That's not a coincidence. Montana State's a high academic school. And so the, the schools that they're typically beating kids for are sort of peer institutions of higher learning. Like Brody Grevy, he picked Montana State over... Army, UMass, and the Ivy League. That was right. who he had offers from. Right. Brody Grebe is a great example. Brody Grebe in Melstone Montana, could not have been more decorated as a high school athlete. I mean, the kid was good. He went to the national finals in rodeo twice. He went to the state playoffs as a quarterback in football yeah. twice. Yeah. He w- was became the second all-time leading scorer in the history of the state of Montana in basketball. And then he won five state championships his senior year in track and field. And he got all of what? Not even a combined full-ride offer from Montana or Montana State, and zero calls from a single school right. outside the state of Montana. He goes to a prep school for three months, and he's the best recruit in the state of Montana all of a sudden yeah, because he proved it against other people. So even their doubters exist here, too. Totally. I, I don't know, man. I, my whole thought is, in the FCS and in the Big CI, but particularly in Montana... It just what, doesn't matter. What you yeah. are when you're 18. I mean, look at the Grizz last year. Yeah, yeah. Joe Babros was once upon a time a four-star recruit. Mason Vineyard was once upon a time a four-star recruit. Most people listening to the show are saying, who? Because they didn't play last year. Those guys were Power Five conference drop downs. Patrick O'Connell, meanwhile, got one offer coming out of high school at the University of Mary in NAI school. He walked on and led the Grizz in sacks. Beat out guys from the ACC. Right. Because that's what this is all about. Yeah. What does it mean to you? How hard do you play? What star recruit would Jace Lewis
1: have gotten coming out of high school? None. A, a, a one or a zero. Exactly, yeah.
0: right? Because Jace Lewis is six feet tall, 200 pounds, and played at Townsend, Montana. Mm-hmm. But Jace Lewis had 135 tackles last year and was unanimous first team all big sky. That's that's what these programs are about is the development. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. We're going out of the Rankage Brothers RV phone line and welcome in Montana State Senior Shooting Guard Layden Ricketts on a couple days ahead of the Montana-Montana State Annual Is Game in Missoula. Layden, thanks so much for being with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: First of all, tell us just about this this season so far. What's it been like under a new head coach and Danny Sprinkle? What are some of the differences you notice in the Montana State program? And what have you thought of just the first half of conference season at Montana State.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Um, we're off to a good start. Um, obviously, with new coach, um, especially Coach Sprinkle. You know, he, he's done a great job um, through this point in the season, and he, he's brought in some great coaching staff. And you know, they're just all really knowledgeable, and um, they know the game very well from a player's perspective, and um, they know how to coach as well. Um, so that's been a great transition. And then, to this point in the season, you know we we have a group of guys that's really close to each other, and we we got great chemistry and uh, so you know, we've been playing well together and kind of been up and down a little bit, but uh, you know, we're starting to find find what we do best here in in the last few games.
0: One thing that's been such a distinct and noticeable improvement is, Broadly, the defensive play of you guys, but but also the last couple of years, Montana State has been one of the best shooting teams, one of the best offensive teams in the Big Sky. But it seemed like when you guys weren't shooting well, sometimes that affected your play on the other end too. But it seems like now, even if you guys aren't shooting the ball great, you guys can stay in games and, like this last weekend, really grind games out and win games. Just in terms of mentality, how you guys been able to flip that?
2: Um, as soon as you know the coaching staff came in their priority was defense with us. And I think as players, you know, after we finished last season, we came together and we were like, you know, we really got to change it on the defensive end. And so that was the number one priority for us is, you know, really locking in on finding our defensive principles and just all around being tougher on the defensive end. And um, that's kind of our mindset right now is just getting stops and and being tough down on that end of the floor. And, and then we'll let that flow into our offensive game.
0: Th- this last weekend tooth and nail I mean the, the big sky first of all has been so crazy they've been so many one possession games I think after this weekend you guys played one at Weaver State montana ended up going to overtime with Weaver State I think there's been 19 games decided by two points or less in big Sky conference play so when you're going about preparing mentally I mean do you guys just kind of expect at this point the games are going to go down to the wire I don't know we I
2: don't know that we we expect it but we definitely prepare for it. We know that we're going to have a lot of close games. Um, this league is kind of crazy. Everyone's beating up on everybody. Um, and all the games have been super close and so um we know that chances are higher that it's going to be a close game and you know this it's a good league and you know everyone's everyone's got a chance and so um we definitely do a lot to prepare for those close games.
0: Layden Ricketts joining us. He's a senior at Montana State, a native of Livingston, Montana Park High School graduate. And Layden, this week, it's Cat Grizz. The Grizzlies uh, hosting the Montana State Bobcats on Saturday evening. I know the Grizz have a game first. They have to play Portland State on Thursday. You guys have a clear week until Saturday. So as somebody that, that grew up in Montana and was close to this rivalry, you know, just 25, 30 minutes away from Bozeman, what are your thoughts overall just on the Cat Grizzly game? What sort of feelings does it give you when it's this time of year?
2: Cat uh, Grizz is huge. You know, growing up, you know, everyone was either Cat or Grizz. There's no in-between. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be regarding basketball, you know. It's just kind of known that Cat and Grizz, you know, they go at each other and uh, everyone picks a side. And, you know, people come from all over the state, from small towns, to come watch the Cat and the Grizz play each other. And so it's something that everyone – Especially Montana natives take take super seriously and uh, get really into and uh, you know it's just a rivalry that you don't really see a lot of places. It's very unique um, and it's super fun. You know, people get into it, and uh, I'm just super excited.
0: What's the preparation like? Because this new schedule has been so haphazard. Sometimes you play four games in eight days. Sometimes it's three and six. Sometimes you, um, sometimes you have this full week to prepare so when you do have extra time to prepare is there anything you guys go about differently or what what other things change when you have a long week and then there's also you know the distractions and the noise that comes with the rivalry
2: yeah i think uh a longer week definitely gives you the chance to do a little bit more um and it's nice to be able to kind of get a couple days to you know let your body uh rejuvenate a little bit um and then Focus on on the scout a little bit more, um, and then times when you're playing those games that are close to each other, it's, it's a little bit more of a grind, more of a mental game um, than physical. And but definitely a week off allows allows you to get a lot more preparation and um, and then coming into Cat Grizz, you know, it, it'll be a good week for us to prepare to play the Grizz over in Missoula, and you know, and, and couldn't be more excited for it.
1: On one hand, great to have all the preparation, the extra time, but on the other hand, I mean, you play a lot of basketball during the course of the season. Is it hard to have not played a game in a week's time before you step back on the floor again competitively?
2: Um, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of be able to get in the flow of games, but at the same time, you know, the season plays a toll on, on guys' bodies. And so I think from our standpoint, we get we get after in, in practices and guys go at each other, so we have no problem. With competitiveness um, so for us just being able to have a little bit extra time to get guys like Harry and Jabril um, kind of back to 100% is, is is key for us
0: Having both those guys on the front line Jabril Bello and, and Devin Kirby those guys it seems yeah. that when they're both healthy and they're both man in the paint it gives you guys something that's maybe a little different in the big sky than what other teams employ not a lot of teams have a 6'9 guy and a 6'11 guy they can play with each other how much does that change? just having DK back in the lineup?
2: It's been huge. Um, he came out our last game and had a huge game for us. Got a ton of rebounds. Um, and his length is, you, you can't teach the length that he has. And so it's its pretty big. Um, and him just being a, a vocal lever for us is huge, too. You know, being on the floor, kind of hyping guys up, getting after it, being competitive. Um, but, yeah, his, his size definitely adds huge dimension to our game. You
1: know, didn't anybody watching can see what type of player Harold Frey is and how good he is. But one thing to me is, is just his basketball IQ, his anticipation offensively and defensively, and, and the way that he moves the pieces around uh, is just so impressive to me to watch, especially at the Big Sky Conference level, frankly. If, when you see that up close and personal each and every day, what sort of, I don't know, how much better does it feel like he just is able to make everybody around him sometimes?
2: He's huge. I mean, his IQ, like you said, is is very high. Uh, He's just a very intelligent person, and he's a very great leader, too. Um, That might be something that some people don't see because he's doing a lot of things during practice uh, behind closed doors, but um, he makes everyone else around him better, Um, whether it's picking guys up, you know, holding guys accountable, getting on people when he needs to, giving guys advice, you know, leading the team. Um, getting offense going, everything, making shots. So he is just a huge player for our team. And uh, and I'm just grateful to be able to play around him.
0: Layden Riggett's joining us, Montana State Senior. And Layden, I asked you just about Cat Grizz and the feelings that come with that as a guy that grew up ar- around the rivalry. But talk to us a little bit about your individual path. You, you went to Park High School. You had a great high school career. And then you decided to go to the junior college route. Played two years at Sheridan College in Wyoming. And just like you are now, a great shooter then as well. But what was that decision process like? How, do you, how much do you think that helped you then return to the Division One level and get a chance to play for the Bobcats?
2: It was huge for me. Um, you know, coming out of high school, I was kind of just waiting around, just waiting to hear from different coaches and whatnot. And, you know, Sheridan really recruited me hard. And I felt that it was the best opportunity for me to put myself in a position to be recruited by other schools and um, I wouldn't trade it for anything you know the connections and relationships I've made and the coaches I was around were just phenomenal and just helped me grow as, as a person and a player so much and um, I wouldn't trade it for anything and it really put me in, in the best position possible and worked out in, in the best way I could ask for I mean I ended up at Montana State the, the school that I grew up cheering for and live 30, 30 minutes away from so it,
0: it's just a blessing. Now correct me if I'm wrong but your dad actually played for the Grizz, right?
2: He played tennis for oh. the Grizz, yeah.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. So maybe not as deep-seated roots on the other side of the rivalry but obviously he's, he's lived in Livingston for a long time too. What does he think of you playing at Montana State?
2: Um, He's very sportive. I mean it's you know he he's a big Montana State fan now, uh, fan now. So um, you know, and it, I'm just grateful to have him around. You know, he, he make he hasn't missed a game this year, and uh, he's just a big Montana State fan now, which is awesome. So um, and obviously, from my mom's side, I all my family uh, went to MSU, so it's pretty awesome to be able to play here. What'd you think he was gonna say, Coulter? I hate my son
1: now. I just stick with the grizz. That's it. That's all. We're not talking and we don't even speak anymore until he graduates, right? That's that's the answer. Uh Layden, awesome of you to be with us, man. We really appreciate it. Can't wait for the game uh this Saturday. Best of luck, and we look forward to watching you play uh in Missoula Saturday, all right? Thank you, thank you very much. You bet, thank you. Layden Ricketts and ready for Cat Grizz, Saturday, pumped up about it, and he can actually look forward to the game because he didn't have a game tonight. How about that? Speaking of, the Grizzlies, the Cats, they do have a game tonight. But before we get into, did I say the Grizzlies and the Cats? The Grizzlies have a game tonight against Portland State. Before we get into them, we are going to hear, first of all, from Jared Samuelson at the top of the hour, and then from Travis DeCure as well talking about this Portland State game tonight. But what should Montana State's mindset be? heading into this game, particularly on the men's side. Lost 18 of the last 19 against the Grizz. And yet, coming off a couple wins, a road sweep, have a new coach, have a new attitude. What's it going to be like on Saturday for MSU? We'll discuss that next. (laughs) Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's Always On World, your business demands a simpler approach to network security.
0: At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana.
1: They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information... Visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's go blackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Why are you so upset by this?
0: I mean, just the, the speculatory nature of Tom Brady posted a picture. So now let's all talk about what we think it might
1: mean. Right. The picture, if you're wondering, because I'm happy to do this,
4: is a black and white picture. Dude, it's a of black Tom. and white image. That's How right. How can you not speculate on what that means? That's exactly why right. Why would you speculate exactly about right. anything? No, David's right. Dude, he's walking off like into the grayness but of the world. But why do I care? Do Coulter. Not, oh, I forgot. Coulter doesn't care about anything Nothing. but Big Sky Sports. I mean, (laughs) what round he's gonna get next at the bar? No, it's 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 only this is what diet day it is.
0: This is is only this is only Tom Brady being the maestro of his own life.
4: That's right. We're here to entertain people. That's right. Our job is to come up with these ideas. Who thinks this is entertaining? I'll talk about I'll talk about anything besides. Two out of three people here do. That's right. I will exit
0: the segment. You guys go ahead and talk
4: about whatever you want. No, no, no! no. (laughs) tell us about the cats. That's what we really want to (laughs) know. Well,
1: we will get into that. David's pretty upset. He's better back there. Tom Brady's in black and white walking out of the tunnel, apparently in
4: Foxborough, away from the field. A wet tunnel. I mean, what does that puddle mean in the walkway? Well, it means it's Foxborough.
1: That's what it means, because
4: it's pouring down rain. Could be Seattle. That's a good point. It could be Seattle. He's walking away from the rain into the Chargers. You know, is that what it is? He's leaving the wet and the
1: cold and heading for sunnier, sunnier places where you can ride off where into the actual color, sunset.
4: Where there's color. You know, it's not a dark gray sadness all the time. Maybe that's what it is. That's the Bill Belichick way—is sadness. Tom Brady, very mysterious, very mysterious. See <laughs> you, telling you what is 290
1: ESPN Radio. Montana State Bobcats—they don't play basketball tonight. They play basketball on Saturday. The Lady Cats, culture have won how many in in the last four or five years? Have they won nine of ten or something like that? Um, Montana State has won. Oh, I think they've won six out of the last seven, seven out of the last eight, seven of eight. They've won seven of the last eight. Whereas the Montana—that's the Montana State women. The Montana men they won 18 of the last 19. The men's side of this, I think, is interesting because on the women's side, it's still, you know, the two head coaches have now been the head coaches, obviously, in the, in the case of Trisha Binford for like 14, 15 years. And Shannon Schwain is established now as the head coach for four or five years of of the Lady Grizz. And so this is, there's some, some known commodities and the players that are here have sort of been there a little bit. For the Grizzlies, it's still a new team that's playing very well, but but this is a new iteration for for the, for the men. And for the Cats, I mean, it's... I mean, it's... What, Devin Kirby and Harold Frey and Layden Ricketts. And that's... I mean, everybody's new, including the head coach. And so, in a season, especially on the men's side, culture that's been marked by such close basketball games, in, in the conference-wide, I think that Montana State... Comes into this thing with a renewed, I don't know if expectation is the word, but optimism perhaps about, you know, playing in this rivalry, which has been very lopsided for the last decade.
0: Montana State on the men's side absolutely has to have a breakthrough in this thing soon because there's multiple things that are happening that have almost nothing to do with basketball, they have everything to do with the intangibles of the game. I mean, the the interest in the actual game ha- is dissipating I mean the game is not sold out on Saturday hmm. I don't was it sold out last year in Missoula or Bozeman? Oh, it was it was it, it was, it was, was full. very close. it was full yeah. but I don't know if it was sold out yeah and I mean every it used to be the only game that uh, games sold out around Missoula all the time up until the renovation of Dalberg Arena – and then for like the last 20 years, it's basically been the only game that sells out mm-hmm. is the Kicker's game when the Bobcats are in town. I mean, that, that's it's, it's bad for
1: both schools. But you I, would think if you'd had the upper hand in the rivalry that at least that when it was in your court.
0: But you're not like going and dying to see the game because you just know it's almost a foregone conclusion. And That's never what you want. It, I, I just think that there also, it enters into the, the mental aspect of the game where if you haven't won in a decade... That that has nothing to do with you as an individual player, like Danny Sprinkles, will said in our interview with him earlier this week. I mean, what's happened before doesn't really matter, but it starts to because that's just what the narrative becomes. You never want that to happen, you know. when, When the pressure is to break the streak, like the streak was in football. I mean, the Cats lost a couple times where they had. I mean, the game was won and they lost. Yeah, but just because of the mental aspect, I, I don't of
1: it. think there is nearly the stress or the weight of of the rivalry. There's not, quote, there's or not the streak or whatever. Oh, right. it there's, is. There's in, the, there's in in there's basketball. no stress
0: on the Cats on Saturday. Yeah, they're not expected to win, and if they
1: lose, they still get another chance. And it's in Bozeman. And the thing that I find interesting about this, in in a lot of ways, Coulter is Travis DeCure. because Travis DeCure has he certainly acknowledges that the rivalry is a fun game and it's a game that everybody gets up for and exciting for the fans and so forth, but he downplays this game in a lot of different ways. And yet, as he downplays it, he also has owned it. I mean, it's 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 uh, f- interesting to me to watch him go about talking about this game, but also understanding, like, he hasn't even come to the point of allowing this to be a quote-unquote rivalry to him because it's just like, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. W. You know, I mean, that's kind of how I feel that he's looked at this thing. and It's because he embraces the same
0: narrative that Bobby Houck does.
1: Every game's a big game when you're playing with Grizz. That's right. That's that's right. Everybody treats us like their rival. That's right. But, um, but he has treated this game, I think, with uh, a certain amount of, um, I don't know, if expectation, but, but sort of nonchalance, I guess, uh, at it, which I find intriguing. And I think that the new coaching staff and head coach, obviously, and Danny Sprinkle at Montana State... Maybe pique some interest now to me in terms of of the way that Travis DeCure and his team will approach this game and this team and this rivalry. Because if Montana State was to win on Saturday, then February second in Bozeman, I think is the game of the year in the regular season in in the Big Sky Conference. Just in terms of of not, not how things are, nothing really matters in the regular season, which is what's sort of sad about it. But in terms of the where, where there might be actually a point to be proven for Montana in a regular season game, whereas right now there really isn't. I mean, I don't know, maybe when they play Weaver State in Missoula, having lost at Ogden, that could be Northern Colorado, you know, one. Yeah, Northern they got, Colorado they could a bunch of proof against Northern Colorado, certainly. They do. Because Northern it, Colorado won here last year and they lost there this year. But I think an element is added if it was Montana State, right? If it's the cats that that, that, that was to happen to. I'll, I'll but you, until that happens, I think that Travis Secure probably approaches this roughly the same that he always has.
0: ESPN Roundtable, Jared Samuelson coming up next. And I'll tell you a little bit more about some of my thoughts on this leading up to that interview.